With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. What up, folks? Welcome in. It is Sharp Money. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. No Amal Shaw, no Patrick Maher. We are efforting Patrick out there in Southern California, though. I'll be with you for sure for the next three hours and uh, do my Patrick impression. The big guy, Dustin Sweetelson, is alongside as well. Uh, I will not call him that, though, because I feel like it's almost redundant as I call somebody else the big guy. You know, I'm not the smallest dude in the world. I'm bigger. I'm the bigger guy. I'm also the bigger man. What do you mean? I feel Mor- like that's insulting. Morally. No, say, I was going to say, I was going to say, I feel like I'm a man. <laughs> you're No, you're not 40. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I'm getting there, though. I'm 32. Uh, we got a good show on tap for you today. We've got three guests are going to join us throughout the program. Glenn Clark is going to be with us, Press Box, and, of course, 105.7 The Fan. Uh, something going on later tonight that we can discuss maybe in football-related terms. Uh, Nick Bruner is going to be with us from DraftKings Senior Trader and Chris Russell, Team 980 uh, as well. All times, of course, if you're watching up at Eastern, which I would argue we should not do because we're located on the West Coast. But that yeah. continues my mm. war against the East Coast. So. Yeah, but all the places that matter are on the East Coast. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get into this. I don't know if I've ever unveiled this side of myself to you guys. I'm very, not anti-East Coast, but like, let's relax. West Coast bias? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. But, but be honest with yourself. The reason we say that is because there are more people that matter on the East Coast. No offense to everyone else. By the way, middle of the country, don't even think about you. No, no, that's that we can agree on. That we agree. <laughs> the, the coastal bias is 100% true. Uh, we will. Uh, we are going to effort, by the way, Patrick uh, Maher. He is going to hopefully join us at some point. So anybody out there who's wondering where the locks are uh, in terms of the hair, not the bets, no. he will be around. Uh, but we open up with, do you want to go serious or do you want to go with what we discussed walking in? We almost had a really strong bonding moment. We had one over the weekend yes. where we hosted for four hours. And then ate food together. That's right, yes. Uh, but stronger is standing next to each other in the urinal line, which we missed by like a half second. Missed a golden opportunity for some uh, crossing of the streams, some no. pre-show swords. I mean, that's a good way to get a show going, right? The bonding <laughs> but, level. Yeah, it's how, it's how you get together as a team. It's called team building. That's right. That's right. That's what we want to do here. Can I go back to last night really quickly? So we have football tonight, and we have a lot to get to when it comes to the game later today because you've seen a lot of line movement. I would even argue blasphemous line movement at that uh, against the Baltimore Ravens because I don't know if you've heard, but John Harbaugh wins a lot of preseason football games. Uh, but last night I thought it was pretty fascinating because we've seen a lot of instances in the NFL preseason of the market kind of 
freaking out about certain things in the preseason. And line moves happen really frequently uh, in the NFL preseason. And they happen uh, rapidly, and they will be strong. You know, we saw over the weekend, you and I uh, were watching Miami and Houston. That thing opened up five in favor of Houston, closed around pick. Uh, and then, of course, we know what happens to that result. But I wanted to go to the Sunday night game, Saints and Chargers, 22-17, to 17, that final score. It was funny because 22 plus 17 is 39 at last check. Uh, market, though, was freaking out over reports that LoFi was leaking. So the total got down to as low as like 35 and a half in a few spots, close 36, the vast majority. And then it ends up going over the total. And we were talking about this yesterday on Live Bet Sunday. And I kept kind of, I kept trying to make sense of it because I was like, okay, yes, technically it's like an open air stadium, right? Uh, if you hear, uh, I think uh, Dennis Allen yesterday talked about like technically if there was like lightning strikes, they had to be on a delay because there's like the open areas. But the way that they're open, it wouldn't cause much wetness on the field. But the market was like, nope, we got to, we got to, let's bring this thing down. And the thing goes over the total. Like there's been so many instances, we talked about this on Saturday, of the market really freaking out, whether it's information or whatever it is. And this was another instance yesterday where it was like, okay, wait, now nah, this is a little bit too much. And then sure enough, it goes over the total. I think the NFL preseason, despite there being so much information out there for all of us now, is more unpredictable than ever. I'm sorry. I just... I'm not buying into this whole, like, you can have your system. You can stick by your system. You can believe. You can watch for, you know, one, two, three things for each matchup. There is so much we don't know about each individual game that we think we know. Like, we have no idea what the game plans are, what the mindsets are, what the real depth chart is, like, who's going to get a few more snaps than someone else, what the defensive game plan is, what they want to show and not show. Like, there's so much we don't know right now, and we think because we have other information that we have an edge, and we keep losing against the line moves. I would say that it's easy to get closing line value in the NFL preseason. If you get ahead of information, you're going to have value on the number that you have. You know, you're going to grab five with Miami and that thing's going to close pick. It's awesome. And sometimes it plays out in that regard. But I would also argue, as you're kind of alluding to here, just because you have the information, you don't know what the information means. And so, like, when you get starters out there, you don't know how long they're going to be out. You don't know what they're doing in terms of what they're working on and what they're looking for. And I think that's when people say you can make money in the NFL preseason. I think that's what it's about. I think it's about going back and looking and saying, hey, you know, this is good information. You're going to get line value. And more often than not, if you get closing line value, right, it's the old CLV debate, uh, then you are going to come out on top. But in the NFL preseason, when lines move the way that they are, uh, it is pretty wild to watch that happen and sometimes not really come uh, ahead of it, too. So that was just one of the examples. We do have one more game later tonight in the National Football League preseason. That, of course, is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Washington Commanders. I say blasphemous line movement because it looks like the market is turning on one John Harbaugh. Opened up three and a half. We're down to one and a half. Total has gone down from 38 and a half to 37 and a half. And it is pretty fascinating because the market almost every single time the Ravens play in the preseason will blindly just move in that direction. Uh, but it does seem that this is going to be a little bit of a thinner roster or a lot of third and fourth stringers. And you can only implement winning culture so deep into the roster, it seems. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. But I am just surprised that the market is as we have seen almost every single week, come in on the Baltimore Ravens, knocking this down in some spots. I mean, Circa's at minus one right now. So I'd be willing to bet one and a half is not going to be the closing number. You might get one. Heck, it might even close pick. Tell me you want to bet the Ravens. Oh, I do. I mean, yesterday when we closed on Live Bet Sunday, uh, I, I shocked Holden because I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to bet this game over. 
<laughs> and he's like, wait, wait, what? And it's like, yeah, I mean, again, I think we're overreacting here, and it might be the same thing here. I mean, uh, again, it, it might be based on the fact that this team is thin, but, I mean, who knows exactly what Washington wants to do overall throughout the entirety of the fourth quarter. Uh, and I would argue, I think, I mean, again, it's hard once you get past, like, Easton Stick for a couple of seasons was a really good preseason quarterback, or I should say a solid preseason quarterback. Looked terrible yesterday. So you have no idea once you get deep how this is going to go for some of these guys. I mean, and if we believe in John Harbaugh, I, I mean, why not? If this gets down to pick, the preseason darling Baltimore Ravens, what are we doing? Let's I mean, do it. it's arguably the the greatest run in the history of sports betting, right? John Harbaugh in the preseason has to be up there for the greatest runs in the history of, uh, of handicapping sports. Uh, it is. I would argue. No, that was going to make a dumb argument. I was like, I remember the year that Harden's first year in Brooklyn, the um, that was when Kyrie and Kevin Durant went out and the market was like, oh, we don't like James Harden because he was mean in Houston. They went on like a, a 14 game run where they covered every game but one. And Harden was freaking awesome for those 15 games. It was part of my James Harden should win MVP that year, um, which it did not really work out. Uh, but yes, I would say this is probably one of the best betting runs that we've seen in a while. Yeah, I mean, I'd side with you on back in the Ravens, not just because of history, but like I have this weird thing about the preseason and mobile quarterbacks. And if you have more mobility at the quarterback position when there's a bunch of scrubs out there and plays are more likely to break down, which means that you can move the ball efficiently on the ground, I'm more inclined to side with that team that has more of a ground game. And when you're going to throw out Josh Johnson and Anthony Brown, uh, that's better than Jake Fromm's legs. Yep. Uh, Howell is allegedly going to see some action tonight. Sam Howell, starting quarterback. Yes, not preseason starter, but, you know, so what, starter. So this, this is a great point then, JVT. Everyone's hyping up the Jordan Love preseason. There's a few oh, others. So and pe- then people are down on others because of the preseason. What does Sam Howell need to do, and does it matter today? No, it doesn't matter at all. I I will not believe in Sam Howell in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I just I can't do it. I, I don't understand. Look, and I'm willing to be wrong. I'm always willing to be wrong. Uh, you know, prior you know, a lot of people think I'm not. No, I'm always willing to be wrong here. But I just. I don't think there's not even so for, for love, for example. Right. And I, I will always say this. It was only nine total dropbacks against the Eagles on that Sunday night game. Right. It was only nine total dropbacks, but they were good. They were, they were good nine dropbacks, right? Sam Howell played a whole game, a meaningless game at the end of the season and looked mediocre. So what I'm saying is my point is, is that I at least have multiple data points of high end play for Jordan love. Even if it's two preseason games and an end of a regular season game, that tells me, like, okay, maybe there's something here. For Howell, it's a very small sample size, and the very small sample size that you've seen has not really been great. And thus, when you get into a regular season where teams are actually going to scheme and do things to stop you, then that's where, again, I'm just like, nah, I'm just, I, I don't, I'm not going to buy it. I'm, I'm such a hater. I think none of this matters. None of it can be projected into real regular season football. What we are seeing now is not what we will see during the regular season. I don't think any of it is real. So you, you think you're smarter than a former NFL general manager? I think it's all fake because Who? Michael Lombardi had a great write-up about a week and a half ago about how it tra- how some of the stuff translates to the regular season. Now, I would say the caveat is you just don't know what translates to the regular <laughs> yeah, season. Dude. But some of the points you brought up was the Hackett penalties, right? Broncos were one of the most penalized preseason teams last season. They were one of the most penalized teams in the regular season. Washington was one of the worst teams in the preseason at forcing turnovers. They were one of the worst teams enforcing turnovers in the regular season. So there are things that translate to the regular 
regular season. The problem is you just don't know which ones to point at that say, hey, this is going to translate. It's more of a 2020 hindsight type of deal. So I would argue there is things. I just can't tell you which ones they are. I'll tell you at the end of the season, but I can't tell you right now. I'll tell you what's not. Jordan loves passing ability. That is not translating to the regular season. I uh, I am in. I already bet him to win the, con- the conference. Now that's a little crazy. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Uh, I already bet him to win the NFC North. I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. There Don't see it. That, well, the thing is, it's it's a weak division overall. I think it's a fraudulent favorite at the top with the way that they are priced. I think the darling team in the dude, the more I look into the statistics for the Bears, I just don't understand it in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, dude, come on. I'm in. Jordan it, Love. The NFC North is a weak division because the Green Bay Packers are in it. No, that's not true. I think it's because, I think it's because the Lions and the Bears are in it. How about that, huh? <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, razor's edge for the Lions. If Goff starts to take a couple oh, of steps buying. back, oh boy. Not buying it. Tell not you. buying the Lions. Can't you you can restore the roar all you want, but that roar, I mean the and at the end of the day, I mean 8-9 wins is going to win this division. It's more of a meow. Yes, exactly. All right, we'll take our break here. Man, that went by fast. Are we already done? Oh, this show's three hours, huh? That escaped my mind one more time. I thought I was out of here. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We're after Patrick. We got plenty left to get to. It is Sharp Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Don't go anywhere. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Become a Visa Pro subscriber, get an all-access pass to our betting tools, betting splits, and the 2023 College Football and NFL Betting Guides. Both the College Football Guide and our NFL Betting Guide are going to have you ready to turn a profit on the gridiron this season. Only way to get the guides and everything we have to offer, become a Visa Pro subscriber. You can do exactly that at vsan.com slash subscribe. A reminder, two things when it comes to Visa Pro subscription. One, NFL Betting Guide is getting updated with updated numbers and odds. So the shift that has happened since the NFL Betting Guide came out, it's going to get refreshed with brand new analysis. So that's an awesome, awesome feature that we're trying out. And... I will also stress that when you come to VEASAN Pro Subscriber, you get everything we do. So that includes all the other sports. And everybody's getting excited for football, but it includes analysis with everything. All right, with that, we did get news over the weekend. The Georgia Bulldogs, I didn't, I didn't think this was like a thing. Uh, everything I read was like, oh, you never know. But it is official. Uh, Carson Beck is going to take the Georgia Bulldogs on their quest for a third consecutive title. Um not a surprise. I actually bet Carson Beck to win the Heisman at 20 to one a couple of days ago, like a day before the news dropped. Um, but I am very intrigued to see if what had become a pretty explosive offense with Stetson Bennett down the stretch of his career uh, is going to continue with a guy like Carson Beck. You see the Heisman odds there. They're about 15 to one over at DraftKings to win this thing. But I bet Beck, bet Beck at uh, 20 to one to win the Heisman. I'm in. Well, you know, you said explosive offense last few years. This is actually potentially more explosive than they've ever been right. I mean that I can remember I mean going back to like the David Green years like they just did not have an explosive offense that made dynamic plays you bring in the top receiver from Missouri the top receiver from Mississippi State you bring back Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey. you always have a stable of running backs this year led by Kendall Milton like if Carson Beck is a mediocre quarterback who can you know, distribute the ball efficiently in this offense. Mm -hmm. I, I like your Heisman bet. I think he's in the mix at that point. I don't know his capabilities. I do like the continuity factor. The fact that he sat through everything in this system. He's not one of the transfer quarterbacks having to learn everything for the first time. I think, look, this team could win it. Even if he's, you know, below average, that's how good they are. So for, for two things, first, my thinking was like, I, it was actually pretty simplistic. Starting quarterback on national title That's favorite it. or on national title favorite, soft schedule. But in I, I heard a nugget. It was funny. I was watching. I don't know what I was watching, but I heard like a nugget. It was like soft schedule by SEC standards. Even like it's they've it's had not their an, fault, right? And but they've also had a soft schedule for the last couple of years. Yeah, no, well, they <laughs> they play in the East. You're correct. Two, it's not their fault. Florida's taking giant steps back. Yep. And then three. They had Oklahoma scheduled, yep. but because Oklahoma's joining the SEC next year, that game was removed from their schedule. So I think especially it's actually one of the reasons by my other, uh, and I, again, I will always give Adam Burke credit because I read his analysis, thought it was awesome. It's also why I bet Tanner Mordecai because this, the non-conference schedules are so easy that I think that there's a chance that both of these guys are going to be able to put up big numbers, and at the very least, the odds for them are going to improve, and then you roll through a schedule. We'll see whatever happens going forward. But Buddy, we got to have a talk about Tanner Mordecai and Wisconsin and how I can't get enough of them. Okay, I'm, you're in. I am yeah. so hyped up on Wisconsin. It's not healthy for my heart. It's only going to let me down. I think I'm going to bet them plus 750 to win the Big Ten, come back Big Ten title game, hedge against the ticket, not even watch the game. So to, uh, I mentioned two things. The other thing for Carson Beck, we don't have a large sample size. But through two seasons, he has had a total of 58 dropbacks, uh, relatively solid, five touchdowns, two interceptions, turnover, the uh, turnover worthy play rate of just 1.6%, which is very, very low and very good. Again, at cleanup duty, uh, the most in a single game last year, he had 12 dropbacks and a, a beatdown of Vanderbilt graded out really well. PFF grade overall of 89.6 from a passing standpoint. So to your point, continuity, been in the system, it's kind of figured it out. And I think it's the, it makes the most sense here, but you have an angle when it comes to this in terms of what we're seeing in the odds, right? 
Yeah, I just think it's really interesting right now that the betting markets are telling you that Georgia to win the national championship and Caleb Williams to win the Heisman are the two most likely things to happen in the college football season. But my 38 years living on this planet and breathing the air, we have not had a three-time consecutive national championship since Minnesota in the 30s, and we haven't had a back-to-back Heisman winner since Archie Griffin. You know, I know that because everyone brings it up all the time. Right. I didn't even know what position Archie Griffin played until I was like 15, but I knew he won back-to-back Heismans. So one of those things is not going to happen for sure. Both of them are unlikely to happen. Mm-hmm. That's what the life odds of living on this planet has taught me is that we will not have a three-time national champion and we will not have a back-to-back Heisman winner. So when I look at it from a betting perspective – why would I bet on either of those things to happen? So I'll ask you this then, of the two, what is the most likely to happen? The three-peat or the back-to-back? I think Georgia winning the national title is actually more likely. Yeah. Um, um, I think winning the Heisman is so much harder than people uh, think. The odds would tell us that too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, no, I mean, that's I, I would I, I asked the question. It's an easy one if you just look at the actual probabilities given to us. I just think the, the Heisman thing is just so much harder to do. because One, you're factoring humans, too, into the equation. And humans suck, and they'll look to they, – every time – they look to not give it to the guy who won it previously. And and also there's the factor of, you know, he won it last year. He's coming back this year. Every single defense he faces, that will be their biggest game of the year. Sure. Shutting down the Heisman winner, not letting him have a Heisman moment against them. And then three, there's a, I keep saying this with NFL and I keep saying it with, with anyone coming back. There's tape. There is now film, ocular proof of what Caleb Williams wants to and likes to do on a football field. So now there's more time to game plan and more information to use to do that. So if we're rolling with that and the odds would tell us that it's less likely of the two that um, Caleb Williams is going to win this. I mentioned two already that I have bet in terms of Carson Beck and Tanner Mordecai. Mordecai's at like, you can find him at like 150 to one. And I would say too, for anybody wondering these highs and winners, some of them do come from pretty deep down the odds board. Even a guy like Joe Burrow, you know, we look back now and Hey, that's the greatest team in college football ever assembled. Burrow at some spots was like 80 to one before the season started. And I remember the year before watching Joe Burrow quite a bit and like, dude, this dude can't compete, like can't complete a quick slant. Like what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And, and watching that evolution. So if you're like, if you're kind of wringing the hands, clutching the pearls, like, I don't know how deep I want to go. No, you like, I'd argue that you can go pretty deep on a Heisman board. Cause we've seen quite a few long shots rise to the top, like preseason odds wise. Yeah. You know, and this is one of those markets that, that fluctuates constantly yeah. throughout the year. Also, you can anticipate the schedule before the bookmakers do at times. Uh, like last year, I went into last season with 100 to 1 on Stetson Bennett. Now, Caleb Williams never got short enough for me to jump in and get my ROI. Mm. But because I had that base bet of Stetson Bennett, he got off to a hot start. I did have an opportunity, if I would have gotten ahead of it, to make some money. I unfortunately dropped the ball on that. I do think you, there are a lot of options deeper down the board. I mean... Look, I love Jaden Daniels. I think LSU is going to be in the SEC title game with the potential to win the league, but 11 to one feels kind of short on him. Everyone loves Jordan Travis and his talent. Florida state is a super hyped up team. This off season, 14 to one feels about right. I could be convinced that that's a good bet. Michael Penix jr. Is a guy who's a veteran who has been playing forever. They were the number one passing attack in college football a year ago. They return a lot of pieces on the O-line and at receiver. 16-1 to 1 makes sense to me. 
And then I have no problem going deep down the board, going Blake Corum, 28 to 1. Kyle McCord, 22 to 1, because Ryan Day, all he does is create first round quarterbacks at Ohio State. I think there's a lot of intriguing options further down. I love your Mordecai bet. And I wouldn't be afraid to bet on the other guy at Wisconsin either, Braylon Allen. Yeah, I think that those are all valid options. And I would argue, too, like, so like with a guy like Penix, this is subjective. But it matters, I think, a little bit. The opportunity to have Heisman moments. Yes. Because you're going to be able to play USC. You're going to, like, one of those where if he just plays at the level he did last year, they get there with, like, one loss or whatever, and you get that victory, and you, you're going to have the opportunities to show out and get those moments for you. And, like, when you look around, you want another one? I think he's about 200 to 1. Brought this up to Matt Humans yesterday. A lot of people are high on Texas Tech. They've got 11 guys coming back on offense. People think they could be a dark horse a la TCU last year uh, in the Big 12. If those things come to fruition, now the problem with him is that he is has some health issues, but Tyler Shock at about 201 is, is something to look at as well. If Again, I'm saying I'm correlating this to anybody out there who believes in Texas Tech. If you believe in the yes. dark horse theory for Texas Tech, Tyler Shock is something that you would look at as well. 150 to 1 on DK right now yeah. on DraftKings. Uh, I would say I do believe in the dark horse of Texas Tech. I think they very much can surprise and win that league. I don't buy the Texas hype completely because – you know, their head coach is still Steve Sarkeesian, and Quinn Ewers is more hype than he is actual, you know, on-the-field uh, execution at this point. And then Oklahoma's more – they've transitioned under Venables, and I don't know if I can trust them offensively at the moment. Absolutely buying the Texas Tech hype. I don't think you're crazy there, but you pointed it out. He has not been able to stay healthy in his career. Oh, man. Bad timing. I actually was just going to open the circuit app to see if I could put something down Heisman-wise as we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just tweeted out that the app might be down. Oh, it is. Oh, they must have the same connection as Patrick then. (laughs) They must use the same provider. Uh, The problem is Patrick's internet setup. The rumor has it. It's just a gerbil in a wheel that's just uh, providing power. Well, no, it's his dog. He makes his dog run on the wheel the whole show. That's why we never hear from her. She's exhausted. Oh, okay. All right. How many dogs? Just the one dog? Just one dog. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he he hit us with the uh, the last time I was in. He hit us with like the, I went out for a walk. The other day, because he tried to humble brag that he saw Mason Plumley. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, you live in the same neighborhood as Mason Plumley, huh?" And he was like, "Oh no, it's not what I was trying. It's exactly what you're trying to say." Uh, what kind? I feel like Patch. He's got a little dog, huh? A little tiny white dog. I knew it. It's named, always those named after the person the dog looks like. Is that something we can't say on the air? Jeezy. Oh, okay. All right. When you said G, I thought we were going to go with Zus, and I was like, okay. All right, we'll take our break. Uh, we got not white, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> Western interpretation, yes. All right, we'll take our break. Uh, more sharp money along the way. It's JVT filling in for Patrick. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, Sharp Money, as we welcome you in, hour two. I thought hour one was tremendous. I'll just say that. Jonathan Von Tobel sitting in for Amal. Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher. We welcome you in. Some stream talk during the break, and it had nothing to do with the hurricane with Glenn Clark, who joins us now. We're going to talk Ravens, host the press box, 10 a.m. to noon. Also, 105.7, the fan Ravens postgame, and he joins us. Hi, Glenn. How are you? If you thought hour one was good, just wait until we get more into that stream talk here in hour number two. <laughs> oh, we are really stepping things up. What's going on, Patrick? What's going on, Glenn? The stream talk was disturbing. I'll just say that. Now, we move on to the Ravens, a little less disturbing. Uh, 11, let's see. Let me get the total. JBT, what is it? It's 10 and a half under, juiced up to 120. 
uh, right now, plus 235 in division. Is that what you have, Jonathan? That is correct. That is correct. Okay, so we do have a preseason game tonight. That number bet all the way down to one. Let's start with the Ravens and just overall vibes. The Marlon Humphrey injury, is this a big concern? Yeah, it is. There's no question about it. It was the player they could second least afford to lose on this roster. They are not deep. They went out and got Ronald Darby. We'll see coming off a serious injury, but um, you know, the other weird part about it is how kind of nebulous they're being in terms of what the actual timetable is. So we're dealing with some of the shock of last year, hearing the words weeks to or days to weeks for Lamar Jackson. Then he didn't play again all season long. So Everyone that I've talked to has suggest this is early season, that Marlon Humphrey will be back, that this was just the timing of trying to get it, the procedure done before the season began. But, boy, they are really, really thin in the secondary without him. Week two, they've got a Bengals team. We know who the receivers are there. We'll see where Joe Burrow's at. But, I, you know, you got to hope that by week four, you get the two AFC South games in the first three weeks. They should be okay in that circumstance. But the Bengals game is very concerning to send this group of corners out there against that group of receivers. So sticking with the defense really quick, Glenn, am I wrong in thinking like, Hey, you know, there is some upside with this defensive line, both interior and edge wise, but I still have some questions about how effective this defensive line can be. I think people view it as a strength, but I I think it, it could have like a, like an average kind of feel to it. Am I wrong? Man, I don't know if I can go with average. I get it. Like Calais Campbell, I think people are being too dismissive of what you lose when you lose a Calais Campbell. And they are very young. Broderick Washington, Justin Matabike, Travis Jones have all had their moments, but none of them have proven to be true, you know, difference makers, game breakers. So I can understand the thought process. I really think the edge is where everything, boy, that will determine everything about this defense, right? Um, David Ajabo, everybody thought was a first round pick. He gets hurt. And so he slips the Ravens in the second round. If healthy, he can show why it is that we believed he was a first round pick that changes a lot of things. But Adafi Owe has done very little during his tenure as a pro. They're asking a lot of him. They didn't bring back Justin Houston. They do bring in Jadavion Clowney. I have no idea what to expect out of Jadavion Clowney in the year of our Lord 2023. But I, I think in total, there are some question marks there. I do think the young defensive linemen, there's reason for optimism about what they can be. Glenn Clark here, sharp money. Of course, you've got Washington, Baltimore, the scrimmages, which what have you heard thus far? Just got hit on my screen down to one. What have you heard with the joint practice here? They were fighting every moment of two days. I mean, it was to the point where I thought some of the media members were going to start fighting with each other. Brian Mitchell and I might've started throwing blows. Um, Man, I, Look, I hate this this preseason win streak. It drives me nuts because, as we all know, the only times that winning in the preseason matters is if you're betting. And if you are, I, you know, again, I know I'm on VEASAN, but maybe seek help. Like, maybe it's a bit too much for you to be trying to determine this. Um, it has mattered. It has been reliable to bet the Ravens, although they did just win by one point in their first preseason game. I I'm I don't know. They're not playing regulars. They refuse to, even as every other team. Aaron Rodgers is playing in the preseason, and the Ravens are still allergic to putting their regulars out there, and yet they've continued to win anyway. Um, it's a very weird bit. It's worked. I, I, I Don't, don't. Whatever you do, don't. I mean, there's got to be something else for you to bet. There's got to be a cricket match somewhere. I think they're playing tennis in, like, Winston-Salem or Cleveland. There's got to be something else for you to bet on besides trying to figure out what it is that Anthony Brown is going to do against a bunch of guys that are going to be working at FedEx in a couple of months. Uh, No, there isn't. Football's king. So no Tyler Huntley then? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no Tyler. They're going with Josh Johnson and Anthony Brown, which I guess is their way of announcing that Tyler Huntley is their backup quarterback. Um, they were suggesting that that was a battle coming in. Um, look, man, it, I, I thought that maybe they had worked out like a deal with ESPN. It's Monday night football. Please do us a favor, put some players on the field. But uh, the Ravens are saying, no, they're just not going to do it. They, they are ever since JK Dobbins got hurt in the preseason game a couple years ago, they have really been allergic to putting regulars on the field in the preseason. And kind of doesn't matter to them what Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is playing on terrible turf on turf that makes just looking at it. RG three's knee buckles. And yet for some reason, the Ravens won't put anybody on the field. Let's talk about the weapons. What has Jackson said about his weapons? This has to be, I mean, you're talking Zay Flowers, who could be the steal. Uh, Bateman, we shall see. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be motivated. Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, I believe, going to be a free agent after this year. Let's talk about the weapons offensively. Look, it was great for them to get both Dobbins and Bateman back on the field last week, and it gives them their full complement of guys. And there is no question that this is the best group of playmakers that Lamar Jackson has ever had as a Baltimore Raven. Now, that's a very low bar. I mean, that's an extraordinarily low bar, but this could be the best set of playmakers the Ravens have ever had as a franchise at the same time. I do feel like somehow we're getting lost a little bit. Mark Andrews is still the guy here. Like I saw a number floating around that the touchdown total for Mark Andrews is six and a half. We're overthinking that a little bit. Mark Andrews is still the guy for this football team. There's no question about that. Now Zay flowers has looked remarkable in camp. And if they are willing to design the types of plays just to get the ball in his hands and allow him in space. And I think we have every reason to believe knowing Todd Munkin's track record, that that's what he's going to do. They're not going to give that type of stuff away, but given what we've seen from him, they'd almost be insane to not be designing plays uniquely for Zay flowers. But look, Mark Andrews in these scramble situations, Lamar Jackson is still going to be looking for Mark Andrews in these scramble situations, uh, particularly in the end zone. Lamar Jackson has such an amount of faith in Mark Andrews that let's not pretend like he's not still going to be the number one guy, even with better weapons on the field. So like in general, then what, what are the differences we're going to look like for this offense and how many of those uh, Twitter plays are going to make it into the playbook that Lamar found? Right, right, the Twitter <laughs> plays. Um, yeah. I don't know how many of those are going to make it into the playbook, but I would say the biggest difference is going to be that like we have seen that in the past, the Greg Roman offense was going to be run, 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 run centric. And I think there's no doubt while the Ravens aren't going to abandon the run altogether, it's still in their DNA. They want to be a team that's able to run the ball in cold weather in January. That's their thing. There is going to be a lot more opportunity there for throwing the ball around to these weapons. They didn't go out and get these guys to have them all be complaining about the fact that they're not getting the football in week two. And I think the best thing that we've seen about Todd Munkin in his entire path is that he doesn't force a system and he is willing to maneuver an offense and to be pliable and say, this is what we've got. Let's work around it. So I expect fewer Lamar Jackson design runs. I don't, I think there's a lot of people that believe that Lamar Jackson is not going to run at all. Don't buy that. Like he's going to run, but it's just going to be fewer design plays for him to run. There's going to be more spacing for him to have big runs in the middle of the field. So if you're thinking that that's going to be out of the offense altogether, the idea is spread things out a little bit more. There'll be more room there for Lamar Jackson. Jackson take advantage of it as a runner. Glenn Clark joins us talking Raven. I just don't see a weakness. Uh, JVT was talking about the front. Okay, maybe, but Roquan and Patrick Queen, uh, tremendous in the middle. Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams on the back end. Of course, uh, I think Rocky has seen is an upgrade over Marcus Peters. And then you go offensively. Stanley is finally healthy. I, you know, a deep backfield. Where's the weakness? Do you like him in division at plus 235? 
I I struggle with that, right? I struggle with the division just because they've got to do it against the Bengals, and I keep coming back to it. I, I hear what you say about Rakusin. I'm still worried about their depth at corner. They, it, it falls off a cliff after that point. It's a bunch of guys you wouldn't want on the field. It, uh, the Whirlies, the Kavon Seymours of the world. These are not guys that you want to have playing in football games. And hopefully Marlon Humphrey's injury is not long-term, and that's not the case. But the depth at secondary, that cornerback specifically concerns me, and they need to prove it as far as the edge rush is concerned. But to your point, that on paper, they look like they've got stuff sort of everywhere. And with a couple of questions, marks defensively for the Bengals like that boy that I could end up being very silly about this because the Bengals defensive question marks could end up proving to be their kind of poison as the year goes on where the Ravens might just prove to be simply more balanced from week one to week 17 I, I love the over on the win total I certainly think they're a playoff team I'm still a little bit reluctant to bet them to win the AFC North how about uh, if, so? Looking at the division, then I'll get your thoughts on this quickly because I actually I think the flying the ointment is Cleveland. I've loaded up on a bunch of Cleveland stuff. Am I insane? Yeah, I mean I think you are because it's Cleveland. But other than that, I get it, right? Yeah. Like I, I mean, it, I, I understand everything that you're seeing. I, clearly, it is a complete crapshoot. I keep trying to ask people out there, like what what is the story on Deshaun Watson? Yep. Is it just over? Right? Like, did we just see a guy? that in the time away from football regressed to a point where we're never going to see that guy again. I, I don't think that's the case, but I, I clearly he's got to prove it. I get where there's a flyer there to be taken. If Deshaun Watson can be anything like the Deshaun Watson that we saw at the beginning of his career, clearly they could be special, but I, boy, I, I am not, uh, I do not have the, uh, the testicular fortitude that you do to be able to stick my neck out that way on a, on a quarterback that looked awful when we saw him a season ago. I see what you did there with testicular fortitude. So the back T to the conversation JBT stands for <laughs> back to the conversation before this segment started. Glenn shakes Clark. We're going to call you shakes from now on. Great job. Host press box, 10 a.m. to noon, one Oh five, seven, the fan Ravens post game. You can find them on Twitter at Glenn Clark radio. We're going to talk to you during the season. Glenn, thank you very much. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Appreciate it guys. Enjoyed it. That was uh you know, I didn't hear you. I heard you guys talk during the first hour, and then I came on, and there was just a wild conversation going on with our guest before that segment started. So I blame you, Jonathan Bontobel. I mean, and by the way, my goodness, are you skinny? Really skinny. Should we discuss it? If you want. I mean, I, whatever you want, man. I mean, I, I mean, yoked out. But obviously, since the last time That's we right. saw you, lost some weight. Come on, big guy. You see him? It looks agree. tasty. He commented Let's on discuss. it the other day. We're back. Sharp money. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money, Jonathan Von Tobel, Bouncy House. Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher. Baltimore, Washington tonight. We got a little Monday night football in the pre. Hit all the way down to one with Baltimore Lane at 37 and a half on the total. I'm excited for our next guest, the Rooster, Chris Russell. Team 980 hosts 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Command Post Magazine writer. You can find him on Twitter at WrestleMania621. I fanboy every time we talk to you. We've only talked to you (laughs) once. Chris Russell, thank you for joining. But of course, I told you before, I'm a huge Junkies fan. So you're a legend to me. How are we feeling today? (laughs) Well, I I mean, I can't do any better than that intro. I appreciate you. Uh, And and yeah, I remember that. And, uh, you know, the Junks are still going strong. I was on with them uh, this morning for about 20 good minutes. And they're, you know, they, I mean, they, they have passed the test of time and then some, and you guys know how crazy and volatile our industry is. Those guys have been kicking ass and taking names for 25 years. So, yes, sir. And you were great on the show earlier today. Let me start here. How many wins saves Ron Rivera's job? um, So I'm going to say this nine wins does not 10 wins. I believe does. The only way nine wins does at nine and eight is, guys, if they get in the playoffs and win a playoff game and maybe two. So, to me, I think the magic number really is ten. I don't know how you fire him at ten and seven with one year left to go on his contract, but I guess if you're, I don't know, ten and one going into and then lose your final six and then lose a playoff game, then it could happen, but I I do think ten is the – is the magic number that you want to, you know, kind of circle on your, on your, on your ticket. But Chris, he's, he's kind of set up behind the eight ball, isn't he? I mean, what, with this quarterback position going in with Howell, it doesn't seem like it's a team set up for massive success in today's football, right? Where quarterback is key offense controls everything. I get all of the talent on the roster, but I just don't see how he gets there. I don't think he was set up for success. Yeah. I mean, you know, but Ron chose this. So, 
if he's not set up for success, he did his own, you know, his own coffin, I guess, for lack of a better term, right? Because he also chose Carson Wentz, or so he says. Mm. Now, there was, of course, that report last October that was Dan Snyder, but I, I do believe Ron, I do believe Ron chose Carson Wentz um, and, and paid the price. So immediately, without even having a competition, guys, he anoints Sam Howell as the QB1 in mid-January. Mid-January, without even having a competition off of the one start against Dallas. I thought that was the wrong way to go about it. I don't think he should have announced it, one. I don't think he should have had it without a, a true competition. But I do agree with the end result and with the plan that Sam Howell gave them the best chance to actually do this right with a good defense, a good running game, a really good receiver group. And I thought they were going to do a little bit more on the offensive line. Instead, they kind of played it in the middle, if you will. Uh, but the bottom line is, is I do agree with the, the, the end result. And that's what I would have done as well, as, as crazy as that sounds. And maybe I'm wrong, too. Um, I just believe that much in Sam Howell compared to what was out there and at what price. Talking commanders with the rooster, Chris Russell, team 980 host, of course, does a great job for a long time covering the commanders. We'll get to Howell in a second. So let's discuss him in a bit, but let's talk about the offensive line. It sounds to me, Chris, like this is the weakness. It wasn't great last year. Mm -hmm. Is this the biggest concern going into the season for the commanders? No doubt. No doubt. I mean, outside of if, if you, if you say, well, the enemy hasn't called plays, Rivera is kind of conservative by nature at times and mismanages some things, you know, that would be another concern that fans have. Uh, I don't have it as much as fans do, but whatever. Uh, the offensive line is certainly a big concern. But I will tell you this, guys, you know, most pundits and analysts and rankings and whatnot have them in the bottom five, you know, anywhere from 26 to 32, I guess, so maybe bottom six. I think they're going to be, depending on how you rate, you know, pass rush win rate, you know, all the analytics rankings, I think ultimately they're going to be in the low teens, you know, 19, 18, somewhere in that range when it's all said and done. I do think they've improved at both center with Nick Gates, free agent acquisition from the Giants, and Andrew Wiley, free agent right tackle from the Chiefs, knows the system, obviously played for Mahomes. I know he gave up a bunch of sacks during the regular season. There's reasons for that. But he blanked, you know, every pass rush, including Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and um, uh, and, 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 uh, and Buffalo, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, not, not Buffalo. Uh, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and whoever they played in the first round. Jacksonville, that's who it was. Um, in terms of not allowing any sacks and only allowed five pressures, again, according to PFF, in the three playoff games, uh, with Mahomes often rolling to or moving to that side. So I think they've dramatically upgraded. They kick Cosme, Sam Cosme, a second-round pick two years ago, from right tackle to right guard. I think that's a better fit for him. The question for him is, can he stay on the field? He's missed one-third of his eligible games in the two years that he's played. And I think they're okay on the left tackle spot. Um, the bottom line is, just to shorten this up, they're not great by any means. They're not very good by any means. Can they be good? I don't know. Can they be adequate? Can they be solid? I think so. And I do think they'll be better run blocking than pass blocking initially uh, and probably for the first you know, third, 
half of the season, somewhere in that range. And then hopefully with some more oil running through the engine and some more stability, if they can stay healthy, again, that's a big if, that they will then get better in pass protection. I know that's a lot of ifs and a lot of maybes, but aren't we doing that for every team, guys? Right. So overall, with the enemy here and getting his first shot at calling plays, what have you seen? Like, what is the difference in this offense? More shots downfield, more wide receivers. Uh, What does this look like? Yeah, I mean, I I would say more more jet motion, more eye candy, more natural running back screens, uh, some shovel tosses, which we've all seen out of Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City over the years, certainly using the tight ends more. Um, that you know, than they did here uh, under Scott Turner, who's now with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, you know, over the last three years, I, I would I would definitely say there's a heavy emphasis on the quick release and getting the ball around the line of scrimmage and letting playmakers try and make plays and helping that offensive line. Part of the reason why I think the offensive line will be better. Helping Sam Howell, part of the reason why I think Sam will be okay. Uh, Again, you have to have an accurate quarterback, and Sam sometimes struggles in that area, but I think that's the one thing that eyes you know, eyes on the ground jumps out to me about Eric Bieniemy. besides the fact that he is a yeller and he is a demander and he is a perfectionist and I like it. And if the players don't like it, eh, sorry, too, uh, too bad. You know, the culture club that was established here under Ron Rivera and Scott Turner wasn't working well enough. Not when you're not averaging 19 points a game. So I see all of that. And then of course you do see plenty of deep shots, you know, the question is, is how many deep shots per game when we get to the regular season, especially if that offensive line, again, is leaking a little bit of oil. Eric, the enemy sounds like the... Patrick. <laughs> Zip it. <laughs> Chris, one of the biggest questions across the NFL, regardless of team, is Sam Howell. So you tell us, you've watched him. What are we getting this year? And what are your expectations for essentially a rookie? Yeah, so I call him a rookie plus because, again, he's like, – like I would be really worried if if he played um, – sorry, guys, somebody is cutting me off on the way to FedEx Field and not making your boy happy. Um, <laughs> uh, I would be worried if he was a fifth-round pick out of North Carolina like this year. Uh, he's not. He's got the, the rookie year where he was the backup for half the year, so he was getting, you know, backup reps during – the regular season, and then obviously became the starter last week, beat Dallas, looked pretty good doing it. Um, I think Sam's got a really good arm. I don't want to say it's like a cannon or anything like that. It's not. It's a really good arm. I think he's got excellent athleticism and mobility. I think he's tougher and built thicker than your typical six foot ish quarterback. He's not six foot 185. He's six foot. Uh, 205, somewhere in that range, 210, somewhere in that range, maybe a little bit more. He's thicker, if that makes sense. So I think he can absorb some of the hits that he might take as he's scrambling around and trying to extend plays. My biggest question for Sam is going to be turnovers. Uh, if you guys remember that Dallas uh, you know, game in week 18 last year, he threw a lollipop interception in the end zone. That killed, obviously, points. I've seen that kind of decision that kind of throw, not necessarily in the end zone, a couple of times in the pre uh, in in training camp, 
so far. I saw him take a bad sack last week in Cleveland with five guys out in the in the pass route. He held on to it too long. So I, these are little things that can get better. I think his accuracy sometimes falters a little bit, especially along the sidelines. But he's got the strong enough arm and the mobility to get out there and to cut the read down and to cut the field down and to cut the vision down. So to me, these are all things that are correctable. He works his ass off. He's never going to get in trouble. He's a good kid. He's very religious for whatever that matters uh, to people. Some It matters to some people. It doesn't matter to other people. I don't think you're going to have the problems that they have had with some of the guys that they have had come down the pike here at quarterback with Sam Howell. Is he going to be great? Mm, probably not. I think he can be good. I think he can be good, and that's and maybe very good is the absolute feeling. Rooster, I need a one-word answer. Over or under? Six and a half is the win total in the market for the commanders. Are they going over or under? I'll slam the over. Ooh. That's four words for you. But over. That is, well, and we like the slam. Hey, keep those hands at 10 and 2 and drive safely. Chris Russell, <laughs> Team 980 host, of course, WrestleMania 621 on Twitter. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you as well. Thank you. You know, I got to tell you, Jonathan and Dustin, this show is flying by. Wonder why. We're back. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.